0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to Our Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan, every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock Central Time. I'm Virginia Prodan, your host. I'm so happy that you want to be trained to live a life of significance and success. And by doing that is to invest in others. We are so happy to tell you the ones that have been with us for a long time and the new new partners with us, that you as listeners, you were the one who initiated this podcast. For many of you that, who uh, read my memoir, Saving My Assassin, which is my life in socialist and communist Romania, defending human and religious rights, ask me to train you to live a life of significance and success. And from there, we develop our podcast by inviting courageous leaders who started to do amazing things in their lives and are willing to share with us how this mission came about, how they grew to be courageous leaders and invest in others and much more. Today, we have the privilege to have Dirt uh, Smith, who is the vice president of the Eastern European Mission. And I have to say, it, this mission is really, really close to my heart. And I, before I give uh, Dirt uh, uh, an opportunity to introduce himself, I'm going to tell you. When I was in Romania, i the socialist and communist. Um, It was so precious to me to see President Ronald Reagan fighting for us, congressmen, and also missionaries like Dirk and others coming to Romania and hugging us and telling us, we are praying for you. Stay strong, be courageous. So his mission and uh, Eastern European Mission. It's, I believe, so important for people not only in Europe, but for people all over the world and in America. So I hope, I hope that you take notes, you pay attention to what Dirk is going to share with us, and you will be encouraged. Thank you so much, there for coming to our podcast. Please introduce yourself
1: thank you virginia it is great to be here and yes it's uh it's an absolute privilege yes um my name is dirk smith and uh i am vice president uh, for eastern european mission we kind of go by eem now because we are working in areas that aren't really considered eastern europe uh, at this time Uh, but uh yeah i I serve in that role we we publish print and distribute bibles and bible-based materials Last year into 35 different countries and 26 different languages, all free of charge.
0: That is wonderful. Can you tell us just a little bit, uh, because like I said, to me, it's emotional to see on the piece of paper that people even right now have a heart in America, have a heart for people in Europe. And I remember, you know, at that time when I was in uh, in Socialist and Communist Romania, I didn't know English, but I understood their love, their heart, their hugs, the, the fact that they. They risk their money, they risk their life, uh, you know, to be followed by secret police, to um, be um, many times interrogated, you know, not necessarily uh, in, in a police station, but outside, you know, when they will cross the, the line to into Romania. So tell us... How you started? What's a a brief history? Give us a brief history of the EEM uh, ministry.
1: Yeah, so EEM began in 1961. There were seven couples in their 20s who had just graduated with their undergrad degrees from Abilene Christian College at the time, now Abilene Christian University. And they went to Vienna, enrolled in graduate school there with the full intent on being able to go across behind the iron curtain getting that getting enrolled in graduate school got them the ability to go across into into the Soviet Union and so they went behind the iron curtain as it was called at the time and began trying to teach people about Jesus only to find out that this was a pretty difficult task in that people there didn't have bibles in their own language and so that really changed the ministry the the gentleman who I Really, give the credit for being what I would call the entrepreneur for Jesus was a gentleman by the name of Gwen Hensley, and Gwen came back and said to his wife Gail, "Gail, we've got to provide Bibles to these people in their in their own language." So that began the printing operation, and uh, so we worked with smugglers, we smuggled ourselves, and began smuggling Bibles. Uh, the original was little book just like this. This is one of the originals called, we affectionately refer to it as the Marlboro Bible. It's the exact size of a pack of cigarettes because as you will.
0: You know what? I have that size of Bible in Romanian. I have it. Do you
1: really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. that's, That's one of the originals because the guards, as you well know, Virginia, they didn't care if they smuggled cigarettes in. They didn't care. Yes. But they would ask, they would always ask, do you have any guns or Bibles? Those two things. And I've often said, interesting that that was the question, because those two items will cause a revolution in two very, very different ways. Um, the Bible is kind of the revolution that we would rather have. That's the, that's the revolution that changes lives for eternity. Uh, but that began the ministry, and then, of course, the wall comes down in 1989, as you well know, and those are listening and watching know their history. And I was so thankful for our board, our board at the time who made the decision to stay put. We're going to stay in Eastern Europe. This is where God has called us to. So we're going to stay here. And the relationships were established. And so now today, across those same checkpoint routes that we were thrilled to get 150 Bibles smuggled across, we're now driving tractor truckloads. Uh, across those those same areas and actually printing in country we actually we believe in creating economy. so the majority of our printing, for example if we're uh, if we're distributing in Romania, we're printing in Romania and putting their people to work and creating jobs at the same time.
0: I heard and i I know that it's true that you offer now Bibles that not only go and, like you said, offer opportunities for people to um, have a job and so forth, but those Bibles are in many, uh, what we call Eastern European country, uh, accessible in school, which it's very strange because it wasn't when I live in Romania and now we have problems mm-hmm. in America.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, the first nation, believe it or not, that, that asked for Bibles for their public schools was Russia. And that was back, uh, it was a little bit before me. This is my 12th year with EEM, but, uh, in the Altai region in, in Russia, but then Ukraine followed shortly after that when I came on board. So about nine, about nine years ago now, Ukraine came and asked for the first time, said, Hey, we do like to have Bibles in our, for our public schools. And we thought, That's an interesting request. How are they they doing with them? And so they shared with us that they have an elective that they called Christian Ethics. But it was based on the Bible, and they needed Bibles. It was uh, not a required class, an elective, but 95% of the students were taking the class. So that began in Ukraine, and they quickly started realizing where they were offering this elective, and the students were taking it. Test scores were going up. And the discipline problems were going down. So there were leaders there that where they may not have been believers, they were pragmatic. And they realized if that's what's doing it, we need to make this available across the entire nation. So that is spread. That spread across Ukraine. Uh, right before the war broke out Virginia, we had put Bibles in close to three fourths of the public schools in the nation of Ukraine. And then it expanded to. Uh, Hungary to Romania to Bulgaria uh, croatia croatia we've done a uh, little over a million books in Croatia, North Macedonia uh, this past year in twenty twenty two we did two hundred and fifty thousand children's Bibles for their public schools, and this year we're completing the other half of that another two hundred and fifty thousand children's Bibles uh, but they yeah they've but as you all know you you're from you're from that part of the the world. Uh, that's, it's good soil. I mean, I'm visiting with somebody the other day here in the U.S. I was visiting with one of our financial ministry partners and she looked at me and she said, oh, you know, I'm praying, just praying that we can do that here in our country and just praying for that. Just, oh, I'm just such, such in deep prayer that we can do that in our country. And I kind of looked at her and I said, really? I mean, I'm praying that too, but do you know what you're praying for? You might you might want to rethink that prayer i mean know what you're praying for be careful because that's churned up soil over there look at the history know your know your european history and know what these nations have gone through and the turmoil that's good soil so they're ready for the solid ground to stand down on they've they've had socialism they've had They've had horrific dictatorships, as you well know, Yes, that have, were brutal and violent. And of course, what's happening right now, as we're seeing with Putin and the horrific things that are happening, happening to the nation of Ukraine. So I'm not telling people not to pray that prayer for America, but they need to be aware of what they're praying for. And it could mean hard times, which again, this is not our kingdom. None of us are staying here. This is not home. So uh, I'm, I'm all for that prayer, but people need to be, uh, be ready for the answer to that prayer.
0: Yes, and I believe, based on my own experience, that the experience that Americans will have, and I try as, as much as possible to share that with, with the people if there are summits for pastors, for leaders, for college students, uh, professors, to understand that we do not have uh, enemies. The evil one is the enemy of God, and he attacks us because we are children of God. But people that mock us, people that maybe are even violent. I was under arrest, tortured, beaten. Um, I was My head was bumped to, head, to the table, and I was pushed into the walls and so forth. And still the Lord taught me to share the gospel with them. And I remember telling them, I don't like what you're doing, but God loves you and I choose to love you. And they turned their face because they were crying. They didn't know what what to do. And that is what I believe that Americans need to understand. We are not here for to win an argument. We are here to let God Amen. win souls true christ and i i will Amen. Just give you one example the reason my book is called saving my assassin is because a dictator uh, sent a client to my office to kill me he at that time i didn't know that by what i was doing i exposed the dictator to to the entire world so he came as a new client and when my assistant had just time to introduce himself and left to pick up her kid, he he, he turned his jacket, pulled his uh, his gun and put it in my face and said, I'm, I'm not your client. I'm here to kill you. And I'm going to be number one in Ceausescu's rank because I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And the Lord, she, I, I was fearful. I, I mean, my my knee was shaken, I hurt my uh, heart in my ear, and still the Lord said, share the gospel with him, and I did. And he accepted Christ, and the story doesn't end there. Twenty years later, he came to America, because he knew that I was in Dallas, Texas, I went back to law school, I had my law office, and he came with a case. I didn't recognize him until he said, Virginia, don't you recognize me? And he put his uh, securitate ID in front of me. And for a second, I relieved that moment. And then we started to share what God has done in our life. Mm. And Mm. I I Mm -hmm. said that I am writing my book. And he asked me to let him write a chapter in my book. And now you can read his chapter in my book. And he explained how the socialists lied to him and make a monster out of him. Until the day he came to my office and God changed his life. And the reason I am I am saying this is because that's what America and Americans are praying for, to learn that lesson that people are not enemies. And you are part of the ministry, and, and that is so important. My question is, and I'm curious: are you taking any Americans? To Eastern Europe to show them, you know, even right now the devastation of socialism.
1: No, we don't really. We are so streamlined, and you know, our 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 job is getting Bibles out. I mean, I, as I tell people, we're in the parable of the sewer business, and we're just trying to keep up with the demand. Uh, when I came on board with EEM the year before I came on board, they distributed about two hundred thousand books. In this past year, we distributed 1.966 million. Wow. So, it has grown substantially. We we didn't even we weren't able to to get to all the requests. So, we work in a very very streamlined organization. So, taking people over really becomes problematic because we're we're really we're like the wholesaler working with all the real retailers out there. So, if there are people who are doing evangelistic work they know about us they're reaching out to us and asking for bibles in their in the language that uh, their people are requesting and uh, you know but we encourage people to go we encourage people to go and be aware of what's happening in that part of the world and the one thing virginia that i would i would tell your listeners is the beauty that's happening over there is this incredible unity that we're seeing among believers yes. doesn't matter what their doesn't matter what the sign on the building says. It doesn't matter how they're identified, whether they're Orthodox or they're Catholic or they're evangelical or, you know, whatever. They are all coming together around the Bible and recognizing this is the book that's going to change our nation. This is the book that brings hope because this is the book that brings Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He's it. He's the only way to the Father. And so they get that. They understand that and I you know I've said forever. I'm a I'm a denominational agnostic. I firmly believe that the evil one created denominationalism to create divide. Because if he can divide us, he wins. If we if we divide the body of Christ, then the evil one wins the battle. He wins these battles. But if we can come together and we're seeing that in this part of the world that we're blessed to serve, and we're seeing the unity happen. And because of that, we're seeing millions of Bibles being put into public schools and children reading stories that they've never read before. Uh, you know, if you were to do a word association test with these children and say Noah, they're not going to say Ark, or you say Moses, they're not going to say, you know, Ten Commandments or, you know, the plagues. They, they don't have any of these stories. But we're in our with our supporters now. They do, they they're getting they're getting this foundation, and uh, there's just so many incredible stories, God stories that uh, it's not about EEM. It's it's His rescue mission for His people. As I tell people, we just get to have a front row seat.
0: You are so right, and I hope that if the audience, you know, and the viewers don't remember anything. I hope they remember what you emphasized about unity because we Mm. see so much division right now that the evil one is doing in America. And also we see also, and I want to hear your point of view, because I see in many places in America, even pastors being fearful to preach for from specific parts of the Bible, or sometimes they avoid, or sometimes they don't preach it. How do you I I I I know for sure that this is not happening in the place where you minister. But what is your point of view about America? How Americans can can create and work on that unity that you are talking about.
1: Well, the bottom line is, Virginia, if, if we look at our country, b- the biblical illiteracy in this country is at an all-time high. People don't read the Bible, and it's amazing how many churches I go in and I visit, and they don't teach the Bible. They're not teaching the Bible. We've got these fancy sermons and these cutesy f- sermon titles, and they, they may take one scripture, and they take it completely out of context. And they're just trying to tickle ears they don't want to challenge they don't want to challenge their their uh, the people in attendance you know whether you call them their members or whatever language you use there they're not challenging they're, they, they avoid the Bible they avoid parts of the Bible because they don't want to challenge the people for fear that they won't come back and we've we've taken our churches and we've turned them into nonprofit businesses so we've got to keep them coming back and we've got to keep them giving in the plate so we 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 don't want to upset them. We don't want to tell them anything they don't want to hear. Well, I you know I I'd, I'd love to cut out the red letters of the Bible. You know, as you pointed to earlier, Jesus challenges us to some pretty hard things. Love my enemy. Pray for those who persecute me. I I don't want those things. I'd rather that that was not in the Bible. But we we dance around that in in Jesus's prayer for unity. I mean, that's hard. That means I have to love the person that is different than me. I have to say that, you know, Virginia, you and I don't have to agree on everything. And that's okay. We can have differences. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. And we want uniformity in order to have unity. We have, we, we have come to some crazy belief that we all have to agree on every all the minors. All the minors in the Bible. No. That's why Paul says, no, major in the majors. Don't major in the minors. Let's major in the majors. And let's let's embrace each other as brother and sister. Because if we do, and we move against the evil one, I mean, what did Jesus tell tell Peter on this rock when he's standing outside of Caesarea Philippi? And he says, that right there, that's the gates of hell. That's what it was called, Caesarea Philippi. The gates of hell will not be able to withhold. They're not going to be able to stand us. So who's on the offense? We're the offense. And we've got to move together in an offensive manner in love. We don't need to do it in a militaristic way. We do it in love. Uh, But until we dive into the Bible ourselves and our biblical students and read, uh, you know, I don't know how we say we're in love with Jesus when we don't read his words and we're not in it on a daily basis and meditating on what what God wants to wants to tell us. And and we're not praying and our prayer lives are not non-existent.
0: And compare with other other places and other times, when I was in socialists, it was very hard to have a Bible, and we shared the Bible. We we put Bible verses on a card like this in, in order to have them and to encourage. Not <laughs> in America and in many other places, we have Bibles at the our fingertips, in our iPhone, everywhere, everywhere, that the problem is that you you cannot respond to someone in love to correct them about uh, when they go far away from God, uh, for example, uh, in, in the notion of family, that, that God created man and woman, if you don't read in the Bible, if you don't right. know where to find it, and the list goes on and on, and Unity is something that I hope people will take. Uh, will take, And it's not that we create unity. Christ in us, we create unity. Absolutely. In, in others. Yep. Tell us, give us a few examples of how you, you have seen uh, God's um, hands and God's work in your ministry.
1: Well, I... You know, the, the Bibles in the public schools has been incredible. Um, what, what's happening in, uh, in North Macedonia right now, what's happening in, um, in Croatia, we're seeing the unity. And I, I just got back. I just uh, returned. I was uh, 13 days, five countries. I just got back on Saturday and was in North Macedonia, met with uh, some phenomenal people there. But I'm meeting with the Orthodox Church and I'm meeting with the evangelicals all at the same time. And they're all working together. There's this beautiful unity that takes place. And because of that, the end result is they've got 450,000 children's Bibles that are going out to their children in a nation that is 30% Muslim, Virginia. So 30% of the children that are going to be receiving these Bibles in their public schools are Muslim. So these are things that only God could do. I mean, only God could open these doors. You know, we, we might, Yeah, there's just no way for us in our ministry to pat ourselves on the back other than to say, we constantly pray to be faithful. And when a door opens up, we strive to go through it as quickly as we can. We pray for open doors. Honestly, I feel like many times... It's like God's way out there in front of us and He's saying, Listen, you you prayed for these doors to open up. I blew these doors down. Are you coming? What are you doing back there? And yes. We feel like we're like, man, we're we're breathing as fast. As we're huffing and puffing. We're coming. We're running as fast as we can. Yeah. But uh yeah, God is God is moving in some amazing ways in uh in the unity. We're we're seeing it with the Catholic Church in Croatia. Just some beautiful people there who are doing things that just have never been done. And and again, Virginia, it's because they themselves are in God's word. They're being convicted. The spirit is convicting them. It's not artificially created. It's being poured out from within as they dwell on God's word and as they pour into opening themselves up to be transformed by Jesus. So
0: yeah. if we
1: want to see it happen in the U.S., yeah, there needs to be some serious— Repentance happened. Some humbling happen, And uh, our people dive back into God's word and remember that that's, that's where they're going to find God. And then they're going to look for the spirit in and around. And he's, he's here. He's moving. We're just squelching him on a regular basis.
0: Wow. Thank you so very much Ger, for sharing so many valuable uh, ideas and insight with the, our our viewers and your viewers. And please tell uh, people where they can find you.
1: Yeah, they can go to EEM.org, just EEM.org. And from there, they can get anywhere they want to. They can find videos, they can find our newsletters and uh, pretty, pretty good Easy website to navigate around.
0: Thank you. Thank you so very much for coming for coming to our podcast. We appreciate you and I appreciate the mission that you are doing and the love that you have for the Lord and for for his people.
1: Thank you, Virginia. Thank you for what you're doing. Great to be with you.
0: Thank you, everyone. I hope that you heard from Dirt Smith his last call to you. Remember that God is saying, I am opening the doors for you. Where are you? Are you going to go through? Are you going to act? We can do that and we can change America. God can change America through each one of us. I hope that you will visit Dirk Smith. uh, a ministry, you will uh, partner with with them and see what God wants you to do, what He wants you to accomplish through your life. We love also for you to continue to uh, share your thoughts, your support for our ministry. You can go to Books.com. You can find ways there to connect us, invite me to speak or to buy the book, or just to ask us uh, for help. We are here to train you. Until next time, we... Uh, will continue to train you to be strong and courageous and to live a life of significance and success as God created for you. Remember that the Lord is opening doors for you and he's saying, come, I have prepared wonderful, wonderful missions for you. May God bless you and see you soon. Bye-bye.